great desire of God that his people, every one of them, shall walk in fellowship with him. This is spiritual life, the enjoyment of divine life, the enjoyment of God for himself, and intimacy of fellowship with God that's beyond the comprehension of men. And God has made the provision for you and me to have that fellowship. He has given to us his word, which prevents us from sinning, keeps us walking with him. He's also given to us his spirit, who indwells us, who pleads our cause before God. And then we have the Lord himself in heaven, pleading our cause before the Father. And we found that God has made provision to restore fellowship when that fellowship is broken. But we read here, remember in chapter 2, the first verse, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not, but if any man sin, not if any man repent, but if any man sin, we have an advocate. He always is pleading our cause. This is the need of the hour. It's what we need today. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are considering the biblical teaching of the ministry of the Holy Spirit with regards to the Christian's spiritual life. And God has given us His Word, His Spirit, Christ's intercession, and restoration of fellowship with God by means of confession of sin, which we now take a look at. You know, fellowship with God is maintained by speaking with the Lord, that is, confessing our sin and receiving the full forgiveness that God assures us of. As it is written, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, fellowship is walking in obedience to His Word, submission to His will, and loving the brethren. Now these are the three things, the three evidences of fellowship with the living God who is light. Well, let's join Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast here to enhance our spiritual life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Thank you. We continue our studies on the spiritual life of the Christian the great desire of God that his people, every one of them, shall walk in fellowship with him. This is spiritual life, the enjoyment of divine life, the enjoyment of God for himself, and intimacy of fellowship with God that's beyond the comprehension of men. And God has made the provision for you and me to have that fellowship. He has given to us, to, he has given to us his word, which prevents us from sinning, keeps us walking with him. But when I neglect his word, then, then I fail him. He's also given to us his spirit, 
who indwells us, who pleads our cause before God. And then we have the Lord himself in heaven pleading our cause before the Father. The Spirit of God in us pleading his cause and Christ pleading our cause before the Father. And we found that God has made provision to restore fellowship when that fellowship is broken. And we were using first John chapter 1 verse 9 through chapter 2 verse 2. And we have a responsibility and God has a responsibility. And let me pick up where we left off in our last lesson. Our responsibility as God's people is to confess our sin. When? The moment we sin. The moment we realize that we have sinned. The moment we realize that our fellowship with God has been broken, then we ought to get out and confess our sins before him. Don't wait for two or three weeks and it kind of wears off. You go right to him and confess that sin. I tell you, my friend, there is a place of joy, of blessing, of usefulness in the presence of God that's beyond the comprehension of men. But sin breaks that thing. And God doesn't want sin to come in and break it. That's why he's made this provision, the word of God and the spirit of God and the advocacy of Christ. What we read here, remember, in chapter 2, the first verse, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, not if any man repent, but if any man sin, we have an advocate. He always is pleading our cause before the Father. But my responsibility is to confess that sin. And God's responsibility, his very character is involved. He's faithful and he's righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? On the ground that Jesus Christ has already put away that sin. He's the abiding propitiation for us. You remember in Romans chapter 325, uh, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, and so on. He's the abiding propitiation in John, the epistle of John. It's an act once for all in Romans. At the cross, he bore every sin and put every sin away. He satisfied the divine character of God. He vindicated the righteousness of God with respect to sin. Now, in the epistle of John, dealing with his family, He's the abiding propitiation. That is, he ever stands before God as the one who has put away our sin. Now, it's not a question of relationship. It's not a question of receiving life. It's a question of fellowship. Oh, I wish I could make this clear to you. You know, our Lord spoke of this in John chapter 13. Do you remember that amazing chapter where the Lord Jesus, in the upper room, just before he went to the cross, he took a towel and girded himself, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And when he came to Peter, he said to Peter, when he came to Peter, rather, Peter said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Yes, Peter, you're never going to wash my feet, ever, at any time. If I wash you not, Peter, you have no lot, no part with me. Then, Lord, if it means that, if it means fellowship with you, then don't stop at just washing my feet. Wash the whole business. Wash my head and my hands. No, said Jesus, he that is bathed 
needeth not but save to wash his feet as clean every whit. At the cross, at the cross, the sin question was settled. We were bathed, as Titus chapter 3 speaks of, the bath of regeneration. But I'm still down on the earth, still down in this world, and I get my feet dirty. Now, the Lord doesn't give me a bath again. That's once for all. But I do get my feet dirty, and he keeps me clean. If the Lord Jesus should come this very moment, every believer would come right into the very presence of God. Every believer. Why? Because he's the abiding propitiation for us. He's our advocate. He's the one who pleads our cause. Oh, my friend, you can surely put your case in his hands. He will surely plead your cause. Now, does that mean I'm going to be loose in my life when I realize that? Just the opposite. Just the opposite. If he's always pleading my cause and I love him, then I'm going to seek to please him. I may have frailty and weaknesses, but I'll seek to please him. And once a person has come to the Savior and has been brought into relationship with him through faith, through the cross of Christ, where he put away our sins, now it's a matter of fellowship. And this is what we're dealing with, this question of fellowship. A spiritual life is nothing else but a life of fellowship with God. He's made the provision to keep us from sinning. And when we do sin, he's made the provision. Now, that was John chapter 13. If I were to go back to the Old Testament, you remember there's, there are two passages there that I'd like to suggest to your thinking. In Exodus chapter 17 and in Numbers chapter 20. You remember in Exodus 17, the children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea and they'd come into the wilderness on their journeys. And they were very, very, very thirsty. So they cried out to Moses, and Moses came to God. And God said to him, Take the rod that's in your hand, and stand before the rock, and smite the rock, and it shall give forth its water. So Moses came, and he smote the rock, and the water came forth. Now that speaks of the cross. For Corinthians 10 says that rock which followed them was Christ. But when you come to Numbers 20, they're thirsty again. And they're just about ready to kill Moses and Aaron. Moses came in the presence of God, and God says, You stand before the rock with the rod of God in your hand and speak to the rock. Now remember, in Exodus 17, he was to smite the rock. That speaks of the cross. Now he's told to speak to the rock. Instead of doing that, you remember, he became very angry with Israel and said, Ho, oh, you rebels, must we fetch your water? And he smote the rock twice. Now it is true that the water came forth because there was a thirsty people. And even the very disobedience of Moses didn't affect the coming of the water for the needs of the people. God's going to meet the needs of his people in spite of men like Moses or whatever your name may be. And that's a chapter of judgment because chapter starts with the death of Miriam. In the chapter, you have the death of Aaron and you have the judgment of God upon Moses. Why? Because even in the typology, in these types we have in the Old Testament, God will not stand for the second smiting of our Savior. The rock was only smitten to be smitten once. Let me put it this way. 
You and I came as sinners, and we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, as the one who died to put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself. John the Baptist could say, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So we came as sinners, and we received the Savior, and we had a divine pardon and forgiveness on the ground of the grace of God proceeding from the cross. But now we are children of God, and when a child of God sins, he doesn't go back to the cross to be cleansed. He speaks to the one on the throne. The Lord is no longer on the cross. He's on the throne. And as you confess your sins to him, this one who pleads your cause, this one who is your advocate, he pleads your cause and he forgives and he cleanses. Friend, to me it's an amazing thing that God should make provision for you and me to walk with God. When I think of our frailties and weaknesses and failures, is it not a tremendous thing that God should make provision? Does it not reveal to your heart the yearning of the heart of God for your fellowship and mine? Shame on us. Shame on us. And I repeat it, shame on us. When God has made such provision, we don't take advantage of it. God wants the life of his Son to be lived through you, to be lived through me, and that is spirituality. To walk in the will of God, yes. To walk in the truth of God, yes. This is what he wants. And God wants us to be vessels cleansed and meet for the Master's use. He would have the life of his son lived out through you and through me. Now, what hinders that? Your sin and my sin, our disobedience to the word of God. If I were taking again the epistle of John in chapter 2, you remember, he takes this very thing up. In chapter 2, from verse 3 on, after speaking of the advocacy of Christ, he speaks of the evidence of a life that's in fellowship with God. Remember that? In the second chapter of the first epistle of John, we've just been dealing with that concerning our Lord as the one who forgives and cleanses us on the ground of the advocacy of his Son. But what is the evidence of that fellowship? He goes on to speak of three things. How do I know when I'm walking in fellowship with God? How do I know this? How do I know when I'm spirit-filled? Well, you won't be thinking about that. You'll be thinking about what? of being obedient to his word, of being submissive to his will, and of loving the brethren. You know, friend, when you get right down to it, when you get right down into it, there's no question what the Spirit of God is saying to us, that if you are walking in fellowship with him, your life will be a life of obedience to the word of God. Your life will be a life of submission to his will. And you'll manifest the love of God to others, to your brethren. So I put those three things again. The evidence of a life of fellowship with God is obedience to his word, submissive, submission to his will, loving the brethren. Or, can I put it this way? The evidence of a spiritual life 
is obedience to his word, submission to his will, loving the brethren. That's one, two, three, isn't it? Oh, but won't you have some great experience? Not necessarily so. Now, you may have. There are times when we are filled with joy and with ecstasy. There are times when we realize that we're walking in the, in the light of his presence, in the, in the favor of God. There are times you're full of that peace which passeth all understanding, and the great yearning of your heart is to be obedient, to be submissive to him, that his will, not our will, shall be accomplished. Evident by loving the brethren. And it's folly for you or for me to say that we are spirit-filled if there's not that obedience to his word and that submission to his will and loving the brethren. I don't care what your experiences are. And every one of us loves experiences. Don't misunderstand me. I like experiences just like you do. But I know one thing is spiritual experience. And don't talk to me about a spiritual life without obedience to his word. There's no such thing as a real, genuine spiritual life without submission to his will. And by the way, when I talk about submission to his will, let me guard you on one thing here. Your will will be involved. The Bible doesn't speak about passiveness. If you're passive, let me tell you, my Christian friend, if you're going to be passive without your will being informed and will being involved, the possibility is you're going to have trouble. Now, you'll have experiences, but I question very, very much if they're spiritual. I question if God wants us to throw our wills overboard, but he wants our wills to be submissive to his will. He wants us to be obedient to his word, evident by loving the brethren. God sees my heart. God sees my faith. But men experience my love. Men do not experience our faith. They experience our love, our life. The great yearning of the heart of God is that the life of our Savior shall be evident in your life, and my life. This is the need of the hour. It's what we need today in the professing Christian church in America. I'm persuaded that uh, many of our young people have become disillusioned with the so-called professing church of Christ because there's so little reality, generally speaking. Thank God for those who stand for the word of God, for those who are seeking to glorify God, even though they may fail God, at least the yearning of the heart, the passion of their life, is to glorify the Savior. But we're still in bodies that are frail and have all kinds of desires. But I say God has made provision for that continual fellowship with the Word of God, confession when we sin, and yet the heart of God, oh, listen to me, the heart of God is yearning for your fellowship and my fellowship. And if I'm talking to you, Christian friend, today, and you lack that wonderful peace, that, that comfort that comes from the Scriptures, that peace and that joy, that solidity of peace in Christ, 
God grant it to you and I, if we need that, let us confess our sins. Let's be very frank about it and open before God. Get alone with God and tell God. Just open up your heart and tell God the whole business. And I read here, he's faithful and he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And do it today. Why go along another hour? Why spend another hour out of fellowship with your wonderful Savior? Just bow your head before him and confess your sin, not to anybody else but to him. Don't come and confess them to me or to any other man. You go right to God and confess them. If you have, if you have hurt somebody or you've done something against somebody, confess it to the Lord and then go and confess it to them. Let this thing be straightened out. For the most important thing in your life as a Christian is your fellowship with God. This is spiritual life. And enjoy to the full the divine life you have in Jesus Christ, your Savior. This is what he wants. Do you want it? Do you want it? This is what he wants. Think of it now. The eternal, living, sovereign God wants your fellowship, your fellowship. Yes, yours, right where you are. And if there's sin between you and the Lord, confess it. I'm talking to children of God now. You confess it. He's promised to forgive you and to cleanse you. He's a gracious God. He's full of mercy. Always, always will cleanse and forgive anybody who means business. And should I be speaking to any unsaved person today, my friend, you can be saved by coming to the one who died for you and rose again and thus enjoy a new life with pardon and then go on and enjoy God for yourself. God grant us today for his name's sake.
For listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.